When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast, Andrew Musgrove here. I'm about to bring you a recorded version of our live Newcastle United event, which took place at the Tyneside Irish Centre on Thursday the 26th of January. It was a sold out event, I just want to say a very special thanks to everyone who came down. On the panel was our Newcastle United editor, Aaron Stokes, our Newcastle United writer, Kieran Kelly, and two special guests in the form of Telegraph's Luke Edwards and BBC Radio Newcastle's Matthew Raisbeck. We had a two-hour show. This is a little bit less than that. We just want to give you guys a taster and a chance to catch up on what went down for those who could not be there. We spoke about loads and loads of stuff, uh, how well Eddie Howe is doing at Newcastle United, the potential of an AFL Cup final, and of course, the transfer window and what to expect in the remaining days. And there was much, much more in between all of that as well. Just a little warning, the audio isn't the best and there might be a couple of choice words that have slipped through the editing process, but I think I've done the best to get them out of this episode. So hopefully you enjoy this. Remember to click subscribe on your podcast app. This is the everything. It's Black and White Podcast Live. We will welcome on to stage our panel now. We'll go first with our Newcastle United writer, Kieran Kelly. You can give him a warm round of applause. Next up is Aaron Stokes and Newcastle United editor. Who seems to be walking perfectly fine after spending all day on his crutches. Amazing that, isn't it? Oh. That's just after a little bit of Guinness, that. Just last week here and there, we right? We'll go over this way. Next on stage is the voice of Newcastle United. I'm going to see. Probably won't like that introduction, but he is the voice of the coverage on the Newcastle United website and BBC Radio Newcastle. A huge round of applause to Matthew Aysbeck. <laughs> and finally, but not least, please put a huge round of applause together for the Telegraph's Luke Edwards, also heard on BBC Five Live. He pulled your hamstring. He's pulled his hamstring. So we are uh, going to broadcast the first 15 minutes live on Facebook just to show people what they're missing. We're also going to record it as well for our podcast. Um, so I'll just let you guys know that's going on. We'll start though. I mean, because I think we've picked a, quite a good week to do this, haven't we? Transfer window is just heating up. And of course, Newcastle have that 1-0 advantage in the League Cup semi-final. And that's where we're going to start. Once Matthew's fixed the, the microphone, is that all good? Yeah, we can. I'm going to go from Aaron downwards. We're going to start with a question. Are Newcastle United going to get to Wembley? Yeah. I mean, that's such a tricky one to start with, but and you, if you know me, you know I've spent the last couple of days trying to not to jinx it. Um, but look, they did fantastically well to get a win on Tuesday after not playing particularly well. They did you know, fantastically well in the draw to get the second leg at St James's Park which is you know set to be a fantastic night next week 
if I was a betting man, then I'd say yes, they will. Um, but as I said, I don't want to jinx it just yet. Keevan, how hard is it going to be for Eddie Howe to keep the expectation down? We know that fans are already dreaming about Wembley, and so you guys should. We all are. All the, yeah, the people here that are, are fans. How difficult is it going to be for Eddie Howe just to keep focus, keep the, the, the squad focused on the task at hand on, on Tuesday? Um, I don't think it'll be a huge issue. I mean, what struck me really after the, the first leg was the celebrations or the lack of. There was there was no backslapping, there was no fist pumps. It was, it was very controlled. It was very much like half time and um, I think that's the mentality they have and that's the mentality top clubs have you know we've, we've maybe seen Newcastle being an emotional club over the years but I think they they know there's still a job to do in that second leg and what what an atmosphere it's going to be I think that home advantage should see them through but equally they've got to channel it and use it in the right way and on the subject of that you know curious to see has anyone booked their hotel yet yeah. oh brilliant oh wow but <laughs> well, I hope they get through it uh, Kieran mentioned quite a few things that didn't happen um, after the first leg, the celebration. One thing that Aaron pointed out to me the other day was there was no photograph in the dressing room. What do you think the, the, the reason behind that is? Is it like Kieran says, they're treating this as half-time? Yeah, job isn't done, is it? Um, it could have been if they'd taken some of those chances and they should have won by a, a greater margin. So I think the second leg needs to have a good start from Newcastle. If they could do it, they did at Leicester in the league, where they were 3-0 up after half an hour, then you know we'll, we can start the party, can't we? But the danger is that if it goes on longer at nil-nil, and there's been a lot of nil-nil recently that Southampton will believe, and they were starting to believe at St Mary's until Newcastle scored that goal. Adam Armstrong came on and was good, he was dangerous, and then they had the equaliser that fortunately was chalked off. So I think we shouldn't underestimate Southampton, but if Newcastle score first and score early, that will mean they have to come out and play. And are Southampton capable of being much better and much braver than they were earlier this week? I'm not sure. As always, it's about what Newcastle do. If they take the chances, then they'll be fine, they'll win. And I have reserved a hotel for Wembley. Free cancellation though, just in case. Yeah, everyone who has already has probably got that free cancellation. It is right not to underestimate Southampton. They showed a little bit about themselves in that second half. But equally, do you think Eddie Howe will be approaching it like he's pretty much approached the whole season? It's not about the opposition. It is about what you guys do. You guys are good enough to beat Southampton and secure that spot at Wembley. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking around this room, though, and I think there's probably quite a few in here who remember Partizan Belgrade and the Champions League. So... Um, anyone who follows me on Twitter will know I'm a bit of a pessimist. It can be a bit miserable sometimes. Um, Look, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I do have this kind of sickening, horrible feeling. I always have it anyway. Don't worry, it's perfectly normal. But um, I didn't like the Jacob Murphy waving thing. I think if, if Southampton needed any sort of motivation, extra motivation, um, that's uh, that's fuel for the fire for them. Um, but Newcastle are by far superior team to Southampton. And I think even when Southampton are at their very, very best at St Mary's and played a really good game, Newcastle should have been out of sight by the time they had that little spell in the second half. Newcastle don't concede goals as well, so that's that's the big thing in the advantage. I think the only question I have, and me and Ray were talking about this just, just in the corner over there, does he go with Isaac and St Maximum and try and win the game, or does he stick with what he's got and just think, well, we don't concede goals, we don't need to score. So there is that kind of difficult balancing act he's got, but I think everything Eddie Howe's done so far as manager, I think we should just have faith in him. 
and what he's going to do. And yeah, like, like all the guys have said as well, there were no real celebrations afterwards. Nobody thought the job was done. So uh, for once, I'm, I'll be fairly confident. And I haven't bought my hotel room though. And everyone who's booked it has bought a Premier in Flex. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> the hotel brands are available. Um, that is the key question that Luke's mentioned there because the discussion over the past few days has been about Isaac and Wilson. So show of hands who would start Isaac over Wilson on Tuesday. We love Yeah, by all means. And yeah, I'm putting my, your hands down though, Kira, you're just not, not getting involved. No, I, I, I think Wilson's earned that right. Um, I, I realize he hasn't scored since October, but I still think the, the goals are, are not far off. Admittedly, Isaac is, is there and we, we can see what he can do, but I think there's a reason they're easing him back in. I'm not so sure if they'd throw him straight away. Uh, when we discussed this, didn't we, at length on, on the podcast the other day, for me, he has to start. He comes off the pitch, he has more touches, um, so he comes off the bench, Isaac has more touches than Wilson had in 67 minutes. He just looks sharper, and there's something not quite right about Wilson. Um, but if Wilson is, doesn't start on Tuesday, does that maybe risk impacting... His, uh, you know, his spirit because he might take it more than it's just missing out on this or this one game. Um, I don't think so. I think you know the group that Eddie Howe's worked with at the minute. You know they all know that it's one of it's right for the team is you know, right for the team. And I don't think any of them have really sulked. I think you only need to look at the likes of Jamal Lascelles and Jamal Lewis and players that really have you know had to sit on the sidelines for a while. Whenever they're called upon, you know they make sure they do a job for the team. So, um, Sorry, I was trying to move, so I'm not blocking the people over this way, but I'm going to have to store that. Sorry. Can't get the stuff. <laughs> I'm deaf now. Sorry, I'll continue. It's okay. Um, yeah, as I was saying, I, I don't think it's going to affect him, and, and if you ever need an insight into how nice of a man Kieran Kelly is, I think we just saw it there that he would still... I can't drop anyone. He, he, he would not Kieran have Kieran Clark would still be in the club. Exactly. But for me, I think I think everybody in this room is right. I think Alexander Isaac needs to start. I think he's the more informed player. I, I don't know what it is with Callum Wilson. I would love for him to start scoring goals again, but he just looks two or three yards off the pace. I think it was quite telling the other night that Newcastle had about 20 chances and not one of them actually felt him because it was Willick and Jolinton and Longstaff getting in those positions rather than him. Whereas Isaac comes on it and just changes the game instantly. He looks full of confidence. I absolutely love the fact that he grabbed an assist and celebrated it by jumping in and bear-hugging the fans in their way and I think he's the man at start because I think it's better for the team on, on Tuesday. How does Eddie Howe fix the issue with Callum Wilson though Luke? Because Newcastle, for they're performing well, if he performs well they go a whole other level. So is it an arm around the shoulder? What is the solution? Um, I think it's important to remember that Callum Wilson has been a ray of light amid the darkness for a long, long time at Newcastle. And, um, I'm not count discounting him. I wouldn't be really upset if he starts. It's not one of those selection decisions where I think he has to be dropped. He's been missing chances. He missed chances against Leeds. Um, he missed a good header against Crystal Palace. I'm trying to think of the other game. He missed Fulham. Chances. Fulham. Um, so he was getting to those chances. He's been on the team's... I almost said R then, which would have been awkward. Um, he's been the team's most reliable um, source of goals for some time. And I don't think you just dismiss that. But I agree with what Aaron said. Isaac, they signed him for a reason. We are seeing flashes of that now. And at some point, you have to give him a start as well. They're, they're, I'm a bit worried about this playing the same starting 11 in every game as well at the moment. I think 
So Maxman's looked really good when he's come on with cameos as well. Um, they've just come to a point where Isaac deserves a start, and if, if you know if your main number nine isn't scoring goals, and it's his longest goal drought since he signed for Newcastle now, nine games, um, eleven in, in, for club and country, I think that stats probably say to you Isaac deserves a chance, and why not give him a go? He's the club record signing. He was bought for a reason. Let's see what that reason is. And I guess that's another point there, and this isn't just another league game where if he doesn't score, Newcastle will earn a point, or they can still get it. But this is probably the most important game definitely in the more, in the recent history so if your number nine isn't scoring but you've got a man on the pitch who's performing better than him then surely there's no room for sentiment in, the, in this scenario the benches look good recently because you've had quality options on it um, but as Luke says it's been really the same players that have got Newcastle through the last few weeks and uh, as at Crystal Palace on Tuesday it was Sam Maxima and Isak on together and then Murphy on late so it's it's a team that's getting through a lot of work and Eddie Howe has rewarded the players that have brought the team this far by continuing to pick them. Um, but does it need freshening up a little bit? And if you put those two players in from the start, San Maxima and Isak, they will give you energy. It'll, I think it'll generate more positivity. There's also the, the fact as well that we haven't seen much of Alexander Isak. We're all desperate to see more, right? So uh, if he's in the team, I think that's just gonna add to the excitement. Um, Callum Wilson's a class act, we know that. He was brilliant before the World Cup. Um, since getting back though, remember he has been ill and that's why he didn't play at Leicester on, uh, on Boxing Day um, and didn't start the Leeds game either um, just before New Year. Chris, Chris Wood played that one, didn't he? So um, I don't know if he's still feeling the effects of that. It might be something that we'll ask Eddie Howe about next week when he next um, addresses the media. Um, but I think this could be the time for Isak. If he's only going to pick one rather than two of them from the start, and he might go with an unchanged team because he does that, um, I think Isak would probably be the, the player that would get in because of Wilson's lack of goals and, and well, lack of chances that fell to him the other night. And there was one in, in particular in the first half. Was it Longstaff who just rolled it across yeah. in the six-yard box and he was just hanging back, whereas you would expect him to be there. And he would probably expect to be there and just have a, an easy tap in. So yeah, he doesn't look himself, Wilson, I think, not by his own very high standards. Yeah, 100% agree with that. As Luke mentioned there, the other player in question is Alan St. Maxman. Again, lots of talk about him starting on Tuesday. He came on and really helped Newcastle get up the pitch when they were under a bit of bother. Um, again, another bit of uh, hand, hands in the air. Do you think Alan St. Maxman should start on Tuesday? Kevin, were we expecting that many hands in the air? Who put the hands up here? Just raise her. Just raise her. Kevin, would you? You see, you you wouldn't you wouldn't bring him in the starting lineup on Tuesday. <laughs> um, I think it's an I impact think. player at the moment. He... Change your mind. <laughs> Change your mind. Change your mind. I prefer Joe Linton in midfield personally. I, I think that is where he's ultimately going to end up. So at some point he's going to have to to drop in for me. So yeah. It, it, for me, it's between whether you bring Sam Maxman in or you play Isaac potentially to, to the left or, or um, mix it up a bit. But for Sam Maxman, I think he seems to be finding his form again. I think that was his best cameo we've seen for a while. Uh, he obviously put fear into the Southampton defence. We saw that with the red card. I think he's he's building up. It's the same with Isaac. I think with Wilson playing so poorly, why hasn't he started Isaac? I think he's so cautious with it. He wants to make sure that when they do eventually start, they can handle it. The last thing Newcastle need is a really bad injury to one of those players because 
feasibly they if they are to sign a player, it'll only be one player, one forward. It's not like they're going to bring in three more players in the final five days of the window. So I think there's a reason why they've been a bit cautious. Don't worry, we will get on the transfers later on in the show. But just on St Maximum, Luke, it's been a, a, a tough few months for him, hasn't it? Because he's used to being the big name, the big star. He's who Newcastle relied on for so many years. And now you look around, he's not been playing. And he's also, you know, when, when he wasn't playing under, like, Steve Busso early on in the, the Howe days, it was, oh, who's going to supply the magic? But yeah, Newcastle have got a squad, the likes of Bruno, who Joe Linton now on form, who can provide the goals, the assists. How do you think he's, he's handling not being the big name? Um, well, I think Steve Bruce indulged him for a reason. Um, and that was he was his get out of jail card, wasn't it? He he was he's been brilliant. He's the sort of footballer I absolutely adore. I love St Maximum. Probably probably would be if I had to choose with a gun to my head, would still be my favourite <coughs> Newcastle player because you don't know what he's going to do. And sometimes it's awful, and sometimes it's absolutely incredible. And I've always had a soft spot for players like that ever since I was a kid. I don't think he's handled it particularly well. But I think Eddie Howe's man management skills, which we don't really talk about a lot because it hasn't been really a crisis to talk about. So we, since he's been here, everything's gone swimmingly. But I think handling St Maximum has been a challenge. Um, but I think we saw against Southampton that he's in a good place mentally. I think the fact that the transfer window's coming to an end and nobody's coming for him again. Um, I think he's, you know, it, he has a battle on his hands now to prove himself almost all over again at Newcastle. But I think he's ready to do that. And when I changed my mind earlier, it wasn't because Kieran was talking, that was just a joke. Um, right. I just suddenly thought, why not? Why not unleash him? Because he pins two defenders. Newcastle have become so predictable at the moment going forward. Not so predictable, they're still creating chances. But they have become a little, little bit too easy to defend against. So for Maximum, as soon as he's on the pitch, pins two players. And it just frees up so much space on the other side of the pitch. And you're at home. And it's a game that if you score an early goal, if you go 2-0 up on, on aggregate, they're basically going to be through. So I would roll the dice and bring you back in. You have to keep players like St Maximum involved and happy. So it's a level of managing his workload. Yes, he might not always be in the strongest team anymore, but you have to give him game time. You can't just say to him, you're going to constantly be an impact substitution. So I think the time's probably right to give him that start along with Isaac. Um, whether he'll do that, I don't know. That's why I don't get paid however much anyhow gets paid to predict a team. Who would you take out of the side to bring St Maximum I thought Willock was poor against Southampton. Uh, missed two pretty good chances as well. He's, really, he's been really good, Willock. He's been really, really reliable. But I think you dropped Joe Linton. I think, as you said, yeah, Joe Linton's best position, I think, still for me. He can't shoot Joe Linton. It is a problem. Um, he's great, but he's great as a midfield enforcer, smashing people and winning the ball and, and building play. Um, so I would drop Joe Linton back into midfield to maximum on the left. And then you've still got two really good players to come off the bench. That's what we can't forget. You can bring Wilson off the bench, you can bring Willock off the bench. They're still really, really good players, but you, you're keeping Southampton given. You can ask different questions. We've mentioned Willock there, we've mentioned Joe Linton, there's, there's Sean Longstaff. Just a few players who Eddie Howe has, has managed to turn their careers around, really, in Newcastle, in terms of, I know that's maybe a bit harsh on Joe Willock, but he certainly hasn't hit the highs that he did in those first few months. And it, you know, there were questions, but he's, he found a bit of form. Joe Linton just seems unstoppable. Sean Longstaff is back in the good books of most people. What's the secret? That's to you. To me. To you. I can see you looking blindly at me as I ask <laughs> that. It's the lights. The lights are a problem, but I'd, fine. Um, <laughs> Almiron, another one. Of course, how could I forget Miggy? Of all. I wonder if, um, wonder if Anthony Gordon is looking at that and seeing what he's done for those players. 
and uh, I think probably other footballers are looking at what Eddie Howe has done at Newcastle and the staff as well together and how they've improved not just a team but individuals. They did it at Bournemouth, taking a team from the bottom uh, through the leagues into the Premier League and a lot of those players were there for, for much of that time and they even finished in the top half one year Bournemouth. So he's done it and now he's doing it at the top of the Premier League with Newcastle um, with those players who've all improved individually. And I think that's why this season, in many ways, has been a pleasure to watch because there will be, there'll be a lot of people in here, I think, and a lot of fans who, who might have always said that these players that Newcastle have are capable. And yes, they had to add and they had to do the rescue job last January to, to get out of trouble, but it ended up helping them do more than that because the players who came in have been great. They've got better. The ones that were there already have all improved and everything's just gone in, in that direction. So I don't know what the secret is, but it's, it's brilliant coaching, clearly, man management, management in the game as well, substitutions. They are very tactically flexible um, with the way that they play and, and, and the style of play has changed as well. So, you know, it was thought at one point that they could only really be defensive and set up with five and a low block. They've gone the other way. They're a high-pressing team with intensity, aggression, wins the ball back, scores goals, doesn't concede. Everything has changed for the better. And just needs to add a few more goals and goodness knows where Newcastle could be. I can't believe I forgot Miggy there. He's the self-proclaimed president of the Everything is Black and White podcast, our new one fan club. That might need me to resign. Um, even though he has been unbelievable, hasn't it, our new one? And we've noticed now that that goal-scoring run's dried up slightly. You, you start to notice you know, Newcastle's maybe lack of, of, of threat. Yeah, I will say the other night, I think he set up some of their best chances. It's just the, the lads on the end of them weren't putting them away. But yeah, well, I think that's, of all of them, you know, Fabian Scherer as well. He looks reborn. Remember, he couldn't get a game in those final months under the previous manager. But Almiron's the, the standout, you know, the, the belief he plays with now. When he used to take a shot, he just never looked like he... He felt he was going to score, whereas now some of the goals he scored, the quality is, is unbelievable. And I think that's why he's so valued that you know out of nothing he can he can pick something out on his day. And that was a quality we hadn't really seen at Newcastle for a while. He always worked hard, but he's just added that finishing touch now. I know it's ironic saying that when he hasn't scored since Boxing Day, but he's a player that um, is, is hugely valuable. And when you think last summer they, they were going to bring in a forward, they tried to bring in a forward, Rather than being cowed by that, he's he's really pushed on, and you look at the the form he's been in earlier this season. I mean, there are the words have been said, haven't they? Andrew, can I interrupt and ask a question? Sorry, like throwing curveball. Can I put this out to the floor? If you were offered thirty-five million for Almiron, or offer him a new contract, who would sell him for thirty-five million pounds? Do you think how many people would have said that in the summer? Like what the difference would have been? Um, no, it's interesting. I just wanted to do that for my own research. John Gibson would definitely cash in for 35 million, maybe even 35 pence, despite the goals. Um, Aaron, you mentioned there a list of players who have improved, and I think it was either Razor or Keown that mentioned um, other people besides Eddie Howe that's behind. He has got brilliant backroom staff, you know, the likes of. Jason Tyndall and, and others who are who are it, it's not just about Eddie Howe, it is it's it's a team back there that are helping the players improve. Yeah, hundred percent. And sometimes it, the one thing that annoys me about Eddie Howe, and honestly it is the only thing, is that he's so modest 
you know, he will never take credit for anything. And you can ask him about, you know, you've just made it 15 games and beat whatever it is. And he goes on a big speech about how, well, actually, it's the players and it's the backroom staff. And you say, oh, well, isn't Fabian Cher playing well? And he says, well, actually, Botman's playing really well as well. And the sellers have really helped behind the scenes. So sort of sometimes you just want to shake and say, just, you know, you're doing an amazing job, believe in yourself. But um, they've got a fantastic structure behind the scenes. You know, Jason Tindall is very, very crucial. I mean, you only need to look at the touchline on a match day to see, you know, he's pretty much doing all the order barking for them. Um, but as you say, you know, they've got lots of coaches behind the scenes. Um, they're making fantastic progress with the training ground and, you know, really bringing the, the standard of the football club up to speed, which is, you know, I mean, we go back to that first time that the training report was really leaked and this, you know, it was a League 1 or League 2 standard training ground before um, the new ownership came in. So everything's come together, you know, it's it's a long process. I think none of us expected Newcastle United to be in the top four at this stage. None of us expected them to really be in a cup final, uh, cup semi-final. Sorry, at this stage. <laughs> Sorry, getting ahead of myself. There. I need to book my hotel next. Um, but it, it's a very sustained process, but they're obviously well ahead of schedule, but everything behind the scenes is seemingly working like clockwork. What do you think he's like behind the scenes? We've heard Aaron say that, you know, when one person gets praised, he goes and praises another two people. Yeah. Do you think he's can't be like that all the time? Can you be away behind closed doors? I've never met a manager, and I've done this job quite a long time now, twenty years. I've never met a more modest manager. I've never met anyone who's so uncomfortable in the public eye as well. You don't probably quite see that when he's on television, but he actually hates being recognised. He hates attention. He hates praise. Um, he's he's kind of he's kind of perfect for Newcastle. I, I didn't think I'd ever say that. I thought you needed a really big personality to be Newcastle manager. You're thinking Kevin King and you're thinking Robson. You're thinking even Benitez to, to a certain extent. But he's really really quiet. He is he is almost a great man if that makes sense. But he knows his football. He's a brilliant people person. I think he's. Um, I, mean, I did a piece for the Telegraph talking about the way he talks to players, and you know we we all grew up in an era when players got bollockings and they got shouted at and they got told they were shit. And I can swear, kind of, yeah. Well, no. um, <laughs> too late. I'll wait until it goes off. Um, but he, he's his criticism is constructive. He's very much a sort of modern manager in that respect. Um, but he doesn't he doesn't seek fame. He really doesn't. He is really boring, and I mean that in the nicest <laughs> possible uh, way. He is totally and utterly devoted to Newcastle United. I know for a fact that this is the proudest he's ever been in his career. He spent all that time at Bournemouth. He absolutely loves this job. His family are incredibly settled in the city. Um, his kids are all going to school now. I think his wife, you know, a big, big move for them as well to come up from the south coast to make that commitment to the city. I hope he's here for a long, long time. And without being that doom and gloom merchant, there will come a time where Eddie Howe hits a sticky patch. There will come a time in this evolution of the football team that suddenly people on social media, not sensible people like this in the room, who will say, oh, he's doing a bad job, we need an upgrade. I don't think any manager in, in Europe could have done the job that Eddie Howe has done in the circumstances that he had. And, I, and that is the highest possible praise I can give him. So I think he's done tremendously well he, and, and, and being boring sometimes is good and I think in an emotional football club like Newcastle where 
we all know what it's like. He can get carried away. We all get carried away. We in the media get carried away. Supporters get carried away. He is very, very level-headed throughout it, and all he does is focus on the next opposition uh, training sessions. Um, and you know, his existence is literally home, training ground, training ground, home. That is all he does. He is totally and utterly devoted to the job, and I think we should all be very, very proud to have him as football manager. And I hope, um, I hope, I know, I know he's loved, but. I think we are talking, if we can get to a, a cup final, if, if he can win that cup final, we are talking about legend status, and I don't think anyone would deserve them, deserve it any more than he does. I don't think anyone could have put that better. Um, you guys are in the press conference. Um, as you mentioned, I think it'll be Monday, won't it? Um, the one ahead of Tuesday night. You're often one of the first people to, to ask him a question. So just give, I guess, here tonight, a little bit of an insight into, into the... Um, the press has, and then how different he maybe is to, to the people that have gone before him, like Steve Bruce, like Rafa Benitez. Yeah, um, Chris Hutton was a bit like that, wasn't he? Calm and, he was and actually, quiet, yeah, I was just thinking, and, yeah. and that worked, didn't it, up until the point that he was he was moved on. Um, so maybe there is something in that, that type of character. Um, yeah, well, um, I mean, Eddie Howe addresses the media. I mean, contractually, all managers have to do it before a Premier League game, so that's why he's there, I guess. I mean, he understands he has to communicate with the fans, but, yeah, he's not, he's not as comfortable with the media as other managers would have been. Um, I think he will be credited with communicating well and managing the message properly. Um, I mean, there's the quote from uh, after the Arsenal game or, the, or the, the week afterwards where he said, we're not here to be liked, we're here to compete, and, and, and that's great. That's, that's a great soundbite. That's the sort of thing that supporters want to hear. Um, and having taken over from Steve Bruce, whose handling of the media and, and his communication with fans was, was widely criticised and mocked, um, there's quite a contrast, yeah. Um, Bruce would often, I think, say too much, and sometimes I, I got the impression with Bruce that he would possibly overthink it and that would make it worse. Whereas Eddie Howe, a bit like Rafa, very measured, knows what he wants to say, knows what he's going to tell you, no matter really what you ask or how you ask it. And, and that's a way of, of controlling the message and staying in charge of, of whatever situation it is, whether it's a transfer subject, whether it's injuries, he doesn't really give much away about injuries. Um, and I think that, that's deliberate, that's because doesn't want things getting out there, um, which will be picked up by other teams as well, likes to keep us all guessing. Um, but it's a pleasure to talk to him, and, and I would echo everything Luke said about how he has fitted in and adapted. And, um, well, this for him was a massive step up as well, and the scrutiny here is not like he would have had at Bournemouth. Um, but it could have been so different if Unai Emery had... Uh, had come and yeah and, and look at that no he's doing quite well with Aston Villa isn't he he's clearly a good manager but I think we'd all rather have Eddie Howe wouldn't we one thing I've noticed Kieran you might be able to tell us if I'm wrong or right but the, the Bruno example um, before the Southampton game everyone expected him not to feature and I think I turned to Aaron and said we've been here before because he said this about other players are you sitting there thinking if he says that players you know he might not be available we'll have to wait and see you're thinking like yeah he's definitely starting <laughs> Yeah, he's the master of bluffing. Um, I, I have a theory that he was stung at Bournemouth about giving away team news or something because it's it's almost ridiculous at times. Um, no, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt sometimes, but he will say, you know, a, a player could, could be out for another while and then he'll play three days later. Like, okay. um, so I think he thinks opposition managers are watching his press conferences back. I'm not sure if they do, 
probably don't, but he's, he's treating that like an exercise. And he doesn't give much away in, in general, but I think what I've noticed is he's, he's more comfortable as Newcastle United manager in recent months. I think he, he feels more at ease in front of the media. I mean, just to go back to this time last year, uh, Bruno was all but confirmed and he said he couldn't comment on it. And we were like, wow, you know, guy's literally about to sign and he just refused to say anything. And I think he, He's, he's gradually getting better at that. You know, he talked last week. It's not saying much, but he didn't want to like for like target man replacement for Chris Wood. That was quite interesting. Something he wouldn't have said a year ago when talking about who he wanted to sign. And I think what struck me as well is when he speaks about the club, he can be emotional. When he talks about dreaming of winning a trophy, I think that's really strong. And when he needs to stand up for the club, he really does. I mean, when Jurgen Klopp had his infamous take about the, the ceiling, Eddie Howe was there, surprisingly, you know, saying people have to be careful what they say, and it was really strong for him. Uh, Luke will probably tell you on back pages for Nationals, I'd imagine, it's it's not easy to get Newcastle on the back, but that was probably a day where he didn't have to do It's quite easy now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's got a lot easier. I think it's a nice line you said there, Kerry. He's not sure other managers are watching his press conference. You just know Eddie Howe will be watching the other manager's press conference. That's how meticulous he is. No, he is more at ease. Um, and there's nothing wrong sometimes with not saying anything to the media. I can't believe I'm saying that because you know, that's our job. But sometimes he's just very, very straight. He's very, very straight. And it is ridiculous. He will also say that a player who is out for three months has got a chance of playing on Saturday. So we do we do get a bit we do get a bit irritated about that, but it's now become a bit of a joke amongst ourselves in that when we ask him about fitness of a player we just we just ignore the answer effectively because it's not really rubbish. How do you think he's handled the pressure that comes with Newcastle? As Razor mentioned there, managing Newcastle is totally different to what it's like at Bournemouth, no disrespect to, to Bournemouth. How do you think how he's managed you know I mean I hate using the word expectation but that word, expectation, and all the attention that comes with managing this great club. Perfectly well. I mean, I'd agree with Luke. I mean, our jobs, you know, is to try and get a good line out of him, and you know, more often than not, he just sort of straight back to our questions, and we're, and we're really wanting something more. But I think everything he says, you know, you really do believe. He hasn't been at this club long in, in the grand scheme of things, but you really do feel like he's bought into you know the ethos of the club. He's got a fantastic relationship with the supporters. Um, who you know, as as Luke says, if he does manage to get to a cup final or win the cup, he, he instantly goes down as a legend. Um, I think the one thing for me is that um, he's yet to really experience a crisis, and I think we'll really see you know how well he can deal with that when Newcastle finally do, or if they do, um, suffer this real blip. But I think um, he's balanced it brilliantly. He doesn't want his fans to get too far ahead of themselves, which is natural, but he also, you know, he came up with a great line the other week um, about wanting the fans to dream and wanting them to, you know, really have aspirations of winning things and stuff. But at the same time, he knows um, it's all about the next game and the next training session. And if they suddenly go on a run, drop out the top four, um, he's the one that sort of receives the brunt of it. So he's played it well so far. He's a fantastic talker, great communicator, um, even though it does sort of annoy us sometimes. Um, but yeah, he, he's managed it perfectly so far. I'm going to ask you to put your hands in the air again. Are we all shocked and surprised at Newcastle in the top four at this stage of the season? Yeah. <laughs> I thought you might be. Uh, There's a couple not. A couple not. Who's, who, who was no? Who had the faith that they'd always be there? We'll have a pint oh, of whatever you're doing. <laughs> it is even more surprising though, Luke, isn't it? Because 
pundits and, and previous managers, the previous managers, tend to talk down some of the players that are still playing and playing the football of the rest. I'm asking you about Steve Bruce. Let's ask you about Steve Bruce because he did say several times about the standard of these players and yeah. you know they, they can only play a certain way. And yet, I mean, you've got Cher, Joe Linton, Willick, Longstaff, Wilson, all playing very, very well. Okay, um, signed Wilson. <laughs> okay. Joe Linton's a really good midfielder. Pretty shocking forward still. Shaw, uh, yes, I'll, I'll give you that one. Shaw, yeah, um, I think they fell out. But yes, Steve Bruce did not do as good a job at Newcastle as Eddie Howe has done. I don't know what you want me to say. Eddie Howe's done an amazing job. Steve Bruce did an okay job. How is Eddie Howe turned it around so well, though? Because a large part of the pool. Are the I knew it would say long. <laughs> Uh, what, 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 how has Eddie Howe managed to turn around so successfully, given six? Well, okay, what I will say on the squad, right? I know what you're saying. You, you did a shit job, that's fine. You kept them up for two years, which is all anyone was ever going to do. Um, Rafa Benitez called it a miracle, didn't he? It was a miracle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you look at the squad underneath what they've got. We saw Sheffield Wednesday. That was more of a Steve Bruce team than an Eddie Howe team, and it's still pretty crap. I'm not here to defend Steve Bruce, but Steve Bruce is gone. I, I had more than my say over that, and was exhausted by it as much as anybody else over two and a half years. Um, Eddie Howe has done it by being a progressive, modern manager. Um, he's done it by, he won one game with the team you inherited from Steve Bruce. Let's also not forget that. A 1-0 home win against Bob Burnley. So the new signings have lifted it, Without question, Trippier starting the whole ball, Roni and Bruno coming in, um, and the signings that came in in January, and again the signings that came in the summer. But there's no way they should be third. So I'm going to swerve this Steve Bruce comparison, um, and I'm going to say they are massively overachieving. For what, still, I still think they're massively overachieving for what their quality of that squad is. And I think, are we going to talk about transfers next? Yeah. But by all means, I, you... I, no, I, I think they are, they've made a bit of a mistake in January. I think they should have probably brought in two in. I think Eddie Howe, if you've, the most prickly Eddie Howe has been in a press conference is after, am I right, when the Chris Wood? It's after Chris terrorist, Wood. Um, you know, they've weakened their squad this month as things stand. I don't think they need to, I, I would have pushed some of the transfer business forward from the summer to now because I think we've got a wonderful opportunity to get in the top four. Chelsea and Liverpool aren't going to be as weak again next season, but then there's another part of me that says they're not ready for the Champions League because of all the reasons I've just said. If, if you are forced to play some of those players you played against Sheffield Wednesday in the Champions League, can you imagine how messy that's going to get? That, that They are going to be outclassed midweek and then suddenly the whole knock-on effect. So I, I can see what they're doing. They're going to do a load of transfer business in the summer now. That's the plan. That was always the plan. They never wanted to spend a lot of money this month. I totally understand from a business perspective why they've done that. It spreads out FFP. They can bring in the new sponsorship deals in the summer. New, new shirt sponsor, isn't it? Is it? That's true. So they've got scope to do stuff, but I just think they've missed a bit of a trick. I would have liked to see them bring in another Bruno, another Botman, another Trippi or whatever. They want to, you know, the young, the younger players want to get the profile in. So I think they have missed a bit of a trick. But that squad, the squad depth, if you take out those new signings, it's still pretty crap, which is why they're massively overachieving on where they are. On the transfer window, who is that there? 
strongly linked to Anthony Gordon. You seem to really like him. Is he the player you think may come in in the, in the next few days? And is he the player Newcastle will need right now to secure top four football? You've got Almiron again with your list twice. When, what, what, what list with your it? list? A moment. Do you know what? He's that good. I don't need to mention him. Okay, he's that good. Thank you. I know you're a fan. Aren't you? um, Anthony Gordon. Mm. Well. Kieran pointed out that Eddie Howe said they wouldn't necessarily be after a direct replacement for Chris Wood, a like-for-like -like centre forward who, who, you know, whether that's size or someone who plays really through the middle. Um, doesn't seem to be universally popular, that one, does it? Uh, Gordon's missed training now at Everton for, for three days in a row, I think the three days since Frank Lampard left. Um, yeah. Uh, it's it's a situation that's going down to the final few days of the window, and and I I agree with Luke because watching watching them through every match, and it is again it's the same team, and and I I put it to Eddie Howe after Crystal Palace that um, another hard working performance you'll always get that, but are you not rotating because you can't because of a lack of options? Now yes they they're filling all the slots on the bench, but the players who are named as substitutes some of them. They're not going to come on and change the game, are they? They may be, have been, and in some cases definitely have been, very good players for Newcastle over the years. Um, but, but at the point they're at now, they, they need something different. They need to move the squad on. They need to refresh it. It needs to evolve. So I think maybe a couple of players would have been, would have been better. Because, again, just, just echoing what Luke said, this is a glorious chance with a, with a cushion of a few points at the moment and a game in hand over Spurs to get into the Champions League and and then that would unlock a lot more potential financially with sponsorship and revenues coming in from being in, in the, the elite European competition. But when we did our predictions for the season on the radio in the summer, I thought they'd finish ninth in the league, which would have been an improvement because it would have been top half from, from 11th last year. I also backed them to win the League Cup, so I'm really, really smug at the moment. Um, and you booked your hotel all the way back in August. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, look, that, that is it. If they're going to take a step forward, finishing in the top half would be that. Um, and, and then the other European competitions, the whole Thursday, Sunday thing's been a problem in the past, but it, the Newcastle of, of, of 10 years ago, 10 years ago this season, isn't it? It wasn't as well resourced or, or as well run as a club didn't have the squad to manage that, so it would be different. But I think I think the signs are a little bit tired and leggy, something John Anderson says during the matches as well when, when he's commentating with us. Um, and maybe just other options in midfield in particular, because Shelby's injured, we had the Bruno situation, um, Joel Linton's playing further forwards. It's not as if they've got another midfielder that they can just swap in during a game. It's the three, it's... it's uh, Willock, Bruno and Longstaff who are playing Joel Linton drops back that's it and you know that heart of the team I think probably could have done with something extra this month. There are two or three injuries from playing Manquillo at right back, Lascelles at centre back and Elliot Anderson in the centre of midfield that's, that's where they are and I think if that happens we all need to cut them some slack as well, we need to cut Eddie Howe some slack, but that's the situation they're in at the moment. Do you think Kieran with, with the plan this window has it changed because of where Newcastle United are or they're sticking to what they were always going to do and it was always going to be bringing one or two and they're not really looking at it and thinking well this is a massive opportunity that they're sticking to, to you know their two three year plan rather than pushing everything ahead a few months 
Yeah, I think the only reason they went pretty big last year was the position they're in. Ironically, it's, it's the other way around now. You think, well, why not go big again when you're at the other end of the table? But um, I think they're quite steadfast in the summer is the best time to do business, best time to get value. Um, I know they got a lot of value last journey, but they also spent 25 million on Chris Wood. You know, it's it's a tough market to operate in. They're really desperate then. Now, I don't know how many of those right players that were on their shortlist are actually available this month and the price they're willing to pay. I think that's what it comes down to. It does feel to me they still will potentially get someone in before the deadline, but is one forward enough to, to really supercharge it? I think they're banking a lot on Isaac being that like a new signing you know that part you cliche that we all like to forget um and of course some maxman as we mentioned earlier he'll have a big part to play but as the lads were saying you know when you you dig into that squad certain positions they're so light when when those key players are out and they've been quite lucky with injuries i know they've had some some big injuries at various points but if they were to have three or four muscle injuries at once in that squad it could really knock them off course and, and that's the big worry mentioned Anthony Gordon, so let's do another uh, feeling in the room. If you cast aside Anthony Gordon, would you like it with your hands up? Not everybody, okay. So what is, what is the issue? Do you don't think he's temperament? you don't think he's good enough? Shall we? He's not James Madison. Not James Madison. <laughs> <laughs> I want to let you pick out whatever you like from that. He's not Madonna either. <laughs> <laughs> not, not James Madison, I think we can all agree on that. Um, Look, I think that Anthony Gordon is, and I'm, if I'm completely honest, I thought there'd be less hands there. You know, if you, I know social media is an echo chamber, but the vast majority of social media um, tweeters don't want Anthony Gordon, whether that's because of his talent or his temperament, I'm not too sure. He obviously had a bit of a run-in when he came to St James's Park with Trippier and Cher, which probably is still in the back of people's mind. Um, but actually, when you look at this new look Newcastle United side, we like to call it game management, because that's what it is. Other teams like to call it time-wasting or shithousery. Um, I think Anthony Gordon actually would fit in this team really well because he's got a light little bite to him. Um, he's quite a fiery player. I actually think he's a very talented player. I'm not sure whether he's going to get you a load of goals straight away, but if anyone's going to get goals out of him, it's Eddie Howe. We've seen that um, with the likes of Mickey. So I'm not too against Gordon signing. I think they need another body in attack, you know, whoever it is, whether that's a striker and a placement for Wood or whether it is just another player who can play as a tenor or wide. Um, but I am actually surprised at how many people in this room have said that they'd want him. If you're, if you're signing Anthony Gordon as a, as a forward, having allowed Chris Wood to move on, and, and Wood, the 25 million they spent, the, the incredible thing is they're going to get a lot of that back, aren't they? And yeah, um, yeah. obviously there'll be fees associated with a loan that's gone through, and then 50, yeah, 15, when it becomes as expected permanent in the summer so it's probably become an even better deal 12 months on but if you're bringing Wood on and he played in all but one of the league games this season and he didn't really have a great impact did he you know despite the obvious hard work and, and, and good attitude um, which which all of the players show then Anthony Gordon would give you a better option because if he's not starting he could come on and change something create something wind up the opposition, run at players because he's quick, he can cut inside, he could, he can win free kicks, he, he can be a nuisance at, at the very worst. So it's a lot of money, yes, at, at the levels that you know that will be being discussed, but 
that's probably the price that you have to pay. And also the fact that he's English and it's another Premier League club will be will be affecting the price. It was a yes to Luco this morning that your story about Newcastle feeling confident they've beaten Chelsea. Um, what, what, what is your latest understanding and why do they like him so much? Um, okay, I'll answer the second question first. They like him because the raw ingredients. The raw ingredients are massive engine, will press, will not stop running. He's got a goal in him from midfield, he's got a good set piece, he's direct. You look at the sort of players that Eddie Howe wants, he fits that mould. And I think we have to. I think they deserve Dan Ashworth, Eddie Howe, um, uh, Steve Nixon. They deserve, you know, we, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. So whatever your misgivings are about him coming in, I think we have to trust them. I mean, nobody else, Botman, for example, Bruno, both of those two players, wonderful signings, but nobody else is really going for them. So yes, it's a lot of money, but I think it is the raw ingredients he's got. He's an Eddie Howe signing, and I think he will make it better. The guys have talked about Almiron. I think he's an upgrade on Almiron, personally. Personally, I think he would be a better fit in that team. And I would sell Almiron for £35 million in the summer, which is why I asked the question. Sell that is up to me. You are sorry? Sell that is up Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The only um, thing with Garden is when he's played up front for Everton centrally, he struggled. And when he's played on the wing, that's. I would hope he was on the wing more yeah. than the central. But he would be yeah. third choice through the middle, wouldn't he, behind Wilson and Isaac? He's versatile, he can fit in across all of that front three. But do I like him on what I've seen so far? No. But I'm also, again, old enough to remember Craig Bellamy. And everybody hated Craig Bellamy when he played for Coventry. Uh, it was in Norwich as well, wasn't it? Everyone booed. I think it's Coventry. He got loads of jip. And I'm like, again, I've got no hair. You can tell how old I am. Um, but then he came to Newcastle and he was our shithead. If, you know, if, if that's what I'm, you know. Any, and, and you need players like that. You need players like that. And, and you know, we need to trust their, their judgment. Do I think it will happen? I think it will. I think it will. I think Everton have asked for a ridiculous amount of money. Newcastle have just said, see ya. How's Eddie Howe going to feel about him not training the last few days with Everton? Does yeah, like not agree on that? Um, that I think he'll probably like it because he's trying to force his way to come to Newcastle. Does that make sense? But if the boot was on the other foot, yeah, of course he wouldn't like it. No, but I think he's for, he's trying to force his way to Newcastle. He really wants the move. So if you're a manager, you're thinking he really wants to come here. So I think he'll be fine with it. Not ideal, but but to, to ask to ask about the money, I think it will happen. I think they they are beginning to see a little bit of sense with it now. They asked for sixty million. Newcastle walked walked away. Um, but they've, they've shut down the negotiations. I think from what I've heard today, and I'm not working today even though I'm here, but I think it's come down a little bit. I think they're moving closer towards 40 million. Um, I would do it for 30 with add-ons, I think. No social media is an echo chamber. We've already discussed this. But you yeah. look at the general consensus of the Everton fans on social media and places like TalkSport when they phone in Bow Anthony Gordon. The problem that they seem to say about him is that his attitude this season's not been very good. There's been games where he's went missing. And I feel like whatever anyone wants to say about Chris Wood in the room, whether or not he was the best signing in the world or not, he was a proven commodity and the fact was he was a popular member of the dressing room. You don't have to see the outpouring of like team members saying like goodbye to him when he was on social media saying when he went to Nottingham Forest. My only concern is, yes, he might have this raw talent, but would his attitude upskirt with the like, team spirit that they've currently got? And that's what I'm worried about personally. I guess what you would say there is that the attitude of a player is something Eddie Howe looks into a lot. You know, When they have a scouting report, that is so important. I mean, just give us an insight 
present into into how Eddie Howe and the, the transfer team look at players. It's not just about talent, is it? Well, they won't want to upset the dressing room because it is tight and it's really good and um, it's going to be central to Newcastle's success this season. But I also think Anthony Gordon's going to be coming to exactly the right sort of manager and coach and staff around him. And it's an increasingly large backroom team at Newcastle. He's added so many um, coaches and analysts and, and people away from the, the, the upper layer of you know first-team staff that, that you see on, on the touchline during the game. So there'll be a lot of players to look after him. They'll know what the weaknesses and what the potential issues are. And, you know, Eddie Howe's not, not new to management. He's been doing it um, for, for nearly 15 years now as well. So he'll have strategies for, for dealing with players who potentially could, could cause an issue. But, but I, I understand the, the, the opposition to this potential move. Um, we were discussing it on the radio earlier and, and, and a listener sent a message in. And it was about Gordon not training because we'd had one that said, that's not a good sign, that, that, that's a red flag. Someone else said, well... Riyad Mahrez did it at Leicester to get to Manchester yeah. City. Harry Kane did it to try to get to Man City. Didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, Alan Maxwell did it at Nice. Yeah. But he's not easy. And it makes a change <laughs> for a Newcastle player not going on straight. How many yeah. goals? Yeah. Yeah. Johan Yo, 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 was mentioned as well. Wayne Rooney? Wayne Rooney tried to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose the reason. The reassuring thing is you think how meticulous Eddie Howe is. He'll have already rung up how. Probably half a dozen people who've worked with Anthony Gordon or, or people who, who work with Eddie Howe have done that. And as Razor said, they won't want to upset that dressing room. I think it shows how much the player wants the move and there needs to be a bit of pressure put on because they're into the last five days of the window. If it's not, if there's no movement from the player, Everton aren't going to sell. It's it's who's going to blink first and, and Everton are eventually, you would think. Is right. Anthony Gordon the kind of player to guarantee a top four though? This is, I think, well, well, well I really, Aaron, do, do you reckon he is? Because you're not, you, earlier in the week, I don't know if your opinion changed, but you, you, you said you didn't think he was the man to fire Newcastle at the top four. Um, yeah, I don't think you you look at him coming in and instantly think, right, okay, well, you know, he's going to walk straight at that first team, he's going to add you 10 or 15 goals in the second half of the season. I, I generally don't think if you are going out there in the last five days in the window to sign a player who is going to guarantee you get in the top four come May, He's not the man, but he's 21 years of age. You know, Dan Ashworth came out and said they're looking for players for the future on, for the here and now. Very, very telling that they couldn't sign him in the summer and they weren't put off by that. They went back in for him, which clearly shows that they've done their homework on him and they still like him. But if you ask me right now, is he going to guarantee the top four? But I think Luke makes a good point. If they you know, manage to get a deal for 30 million, given the position they're in right now, I, I don't think he could really... Um, you know, sort of say no to it.